And so we're talking about being quieted in our soul. Quiet can sometimes have a negative connotation today, like you shouldn't be quiet, you need to speak up. And I'm not talking about being uh, defeated and capitulated by an abusive person. I mean getting out of having a rambunctious, loud, worrying, frantic spirit to one that is quieted and content. Um, And that's what we're talking about. Uh, If you remember, uh, our passage comes from Psalms. It says uh, in uh, Psalms 131, uh, this is the beginning for the whole series. My heart is not proud, Lord, my eye is not haughty, nor do I concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I've calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. And that's the kind of quiet we're looking for. There's this miraculous thing that that I've read more and more about over the years, and it's the circadian Rhythm. Have you, guys, have you ever looked into the circadian rhythm? It's really pretty fascinating. So the circadian rhythm is a need in the human body that requires a certain amount of light, action, darkness, and sleep. And you need a specific amount, and it just so happens to be perfectly the amount that your side of the planet goes into darkness and comes back. The human body is in sync with the planet Earth to where the circadian rhythm comes around and there are things that your body needs every 24 hours and it cycles around as the Earth spins. It's really an interesting thing. It's perfectly timed to the Earth's rotation. Humans need a 24-hour cycle of work, sleep, rest, coming back at it, even when they're in space and the planet's no longer rotating around them. They still need to sleep in the circadian rhythm of the world the Lord has placed us on. And there's a time that you need sleep. There's a time that your eyes need a break from the blue spectrum of light that comes from the sun. Uh, as you get a break from blue spectrum light, your, your eyes need that. One of the causes of blindness is macular degeneration, having too much blue light for too long of a time. You need several hours of it being dark. It happens to be just about the same amount of time the planet goes dark. It's pretty remarkable. It's actually one of the reasons why if you're on your phone before you go to bed, you have a harder time going to sleep because it emits blue light. And so they admit there's actually a little setting. Now you all know. I'm going to bless you today. There's a setting on every phone, iPhone, Android, all of it. You can actually turn the blue light down. It'll help you sleep. So if you're not doing it, you should do it because it actually is science. Um, There's an amount of time that your muscles need to be release their tension. They can't be tensed up all the time. I did a sleep study three years ago, and they put a thing on my chin, and I was like, I get these sensors. What on earth is this for? And he said, the muscle right there that keeps your chin you can't relax that. You cannot make it just, like, try now, it'll drive you crazy. You can't relax that muscle. And even when you sleep, it stays tense until you go into the deepest level of sleep, rapid eye movement, also called REM sleep. Once you go into that, that muscle relaxes. It's the only time it relaxes. So they say they put that sensor on there to feel the tension in the muscle. And when it relaxes, they can triangulate, yes, the patient is in rapid eye movement sleep. And so there's a time that your muscles need to be relaxed and when they need to wake up. I had my first-hand revelation of the circadian rhythm happened after my brain surgery. Some of you know in 2021, I had a tumor removed from my pituitary gland. And there's a lot I could say about it, but the short version is this. The pituitary is the master gland of all hormones in your body. They call it the quarterback of hormones. When it gets up, it wakes the rest of them up and tells them what to do. And so when they did the surgery, they did a great job. If you didn't know, one of the best places you can get the surgery in the world is in Portland, Oregon. We have one of the best pituitary doctors in the world, written studies, she's famous, she's my doctor. And so it's nice. Portland's known for something and it's not negative and I just feel like it's worth celebrating. And so, yeah, a great doctor. It was was really miraculous going through there, but you can't predict that it's not always gonna be great. And I developed 
uh, a problem with my hormone uh, for the days afterward where I was not producing cortisol in the morning. Cortisol is important. You ever wonder how you can get from being absolutely dead in sleep and then 30 minutes later you're dressed and you're heading out the door and you're awake? You can thank cortisol. Your circadian rhythm every day the pituitary wakes up, tells the adrenal glands, make cortisol right now and that's what wakes you up. Cortisol is also the stress hormone. Too much of that and you can't sleep. You ever been able to not sleep at night? It's because the cortisol won't calm down. It's your friend and it's your enemy. I always thought of cortisol as being negative. Cortisol is also what triggers insulin to make people chubby. So it's like when people get overweight because they're stressed out. Cortisol. So I thought of cortisol as negative until I didn't have any. In the morning, your body wakes up at sunrise. The circadian rhythm takes off and the pituitary gland wakes up and says, you do this, you do this, you do this. And when the cortisol wasn't produced, I went into adrenal shock. That's what a druggie goes into when they're coming off of hard drugs. It feels like you're going to die. Three mornings in a row. And that's when it happens. It doesn't happen at night. It doesn't happen at midday. It happens in the morning because that's when circadian rhythm says you're supposed to get your hormones right now. Hormones in the human system are most prevalent in the morning. It's when they're most heavy. You can actually eat more fattening food in the morning because you're more insulin responsive in the morning. It's a remarkable amount of time. So in the morning, you wake up and your body says, it's morning, and I was aware of something I never knew before. There's, a, there's an appointment inside of myself I didn't know about. It's been going on for years. Every morning, my pituitary has an appointment with the circadian rhythm and says, wake up. And I didn't realize it's there. It's there today. Now my body can produce cortisol again, so I'm healthy and stressed out all over again. But uh, there is an appointment daily within my body I didn't realize. There's an appointment daily within your body. The reason that you went from dead sleep several hours ago to fully awake now, hopefully remaining fully awake for the rest of the sermon, um, is because you're, you had an appointment within you, a circadian rhythm, something you need every 24 hours, and it came. I guess the, my question for today is, what if spirits also had a daily appointment? If God created the body so uh, fixed together and it has a circadian rhythm, is it possible that the spirit too has a circadian rhythm, a 24-hour need? You see, we want to have a quiet soul, and a quiet soul is a mature one, one that's at peace with its place in the world and secure in trust with God, the opposite of a frantic, dissatisfied, despairing soul. So the topic for today's study and conversation is going to be, what is done daily for the keeping of a quiet soul? What is the daily duty? I want to read, um, I want to read the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, Nine, he said, the Lord says to his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This Lord's prayer, it's divided into two halves. The prayer is unto God and the prayers for the self. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then it switches to our daily bread. Um, forgive us and help us to forgive. But item one on this is this daily bread. And that's really what we're going to be focusing on. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Sustenance for the whole self. Now, Christ names literal bread as the ultimate example of a request for total sustenance. And some people will read this, and they do interpret the passage as Jesus is instructing his disciples to pray for literal physical needs and nothing more. 
And I'm not saying that that is a completely foolish interpretation, but I do believe that ignores the grander context of how he phrased it. I think it ignores the overall theme of bread in Scripture that Jesus would have been well aware of. And I believe it ignores the way Middle Easterners think. Middle Easterners do not think either or. It can't mean, it's to, for, for Western people, we often think all in, either or, this or that. But they have a way of understanding both and that it can mean one thing and it means another thing. And so for the people he's talking to, Middle Easterners, and Jesus who's teaching from a Middle Eastern worldview, it makes far more sense that it means both and. Jesus and his audience would have assumed what he's talking about is prayer for the sustaining of the whole person. And there are times that, that the whole person does need bread and the Lord will provide it. But even that is this token, this reminder of the greater sustenance God gives his people how he takes care of them. Physical needs are important, yet there's, there's something undying about spiritual needs. I think when we look at the theme of bread in Scripture, we can see how bread is used, how, how we can understand what Jesus is meaning. The first time that we see a significant uh, story about bread, or the most significant, I guess you could say, is the manna in the wilderness. When the people are wandering from Egypt and they have the, the 40 years when they're waiting to get into the promised land, they are given bread every night miraculously. Some sort of yeasty substance. The manna in Hebrew means what is it? So I have no idea what this stuff looked like. I'm guessing white little flakes. I don't know. But apparently it could be mushed together and baked into bread. And there was this miraculous thing where bread showed up every night. There's a story where David breaks into the, or he comes into the temple when he's running away from Saul and he's, he's, he's with refugees and they come to the temple and the priests take the bread from the Lord's table and they give it to David. And so it has this deep meaning to David. You might be cast out of the kingdom and the king doesn't look down on you, but the king of kings welcomes you at his table and feeds you from his table himself. Jesus broke bread for the multitudes and we know that it means more than just simple bread that Jesus brings miraculous life to those who hunger for the kingdom of God. And he gave bread to his disciples when bread meant far more than what it was. It meant his body, which is broken for them. And in the end, there's the feast in Revelation 19 where the people eat bread at the everlasting table of blessing. Bread is bread, but bread is more than bread. And it's strongly consistent throughout Scripture that bread is God sustaining his people's needs and assuring them at a far deeper level than a full stomach. To get bread miraculously every day in the wilderness is a remarkable thing. And this reference, daily bread, if I could use such a word, circadian bread, that which comes regularly, it seems that Christ is very clearly, and most people agree, is referring to the manna in the wilderness that came daily. There is a lot of bread in the Bible, but the bread that came daily, that's referenced as daily, is manna. Manna from heaven for the pilgrims. And there's a few odd details about the manna. One is that it showed up every night, and there's no witnesses to what it looked like when it arrived. So it shows up every single night, and the interesting thing is this, it spoils before the next day. It's good for 24 hours, except for on the Sabbath, they could gather double so they wouldn't have to gather, and then that would miraculously keep clean. But if they gathered too much, God was like, it's going to mold. I'm going to put maggots in it. There's this interesting thing that it is meant for a 24-hour period, and I think that's the more important thing to see is it's not that it was, we should focus on it rotting, but that it was intended for a 24-hour period. 
and would be renewed for another 24-hour period. Just as the, the bread in the temple that was fed to David, the priests were supposed to bake it, leave it there, and then get rid of it. God deserves no stale bread. Every day he got fresh bread at his table. You know, I think sometimes when we think of communing with God, hearing from God, receiving some sort of bread from heaven that sustains the spirit, we can sometimes think of it, if we're going to think in an Exodus term, we think of it almost like Moses. We're going to go up, we're going to hear something amazing, we're going to come back down, and it's going to be this this defining thing that is going to overshadow the rest of my life, and I'm going to follow it, and there should always be obedience to what the Lord speaks to us, what he says to us. There should always be a desire to, to follow him, but daily bread is different. It's baked daily. As it turns out, there's a circadian rhythm and a need within the human spirit that there's a portion of God you need every single day, a portion of God for that day. God comes to impact us with a daily bread. Every single day. Big revelation moments are amazing. But there's a portion of God you need for Sunday, and there's a portion you need for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And the need is hardwired into you, just as hardwired as your need is for darkness and sunlight. You need both. You need to have the circadian rhythm, and it's just as much there, a true spiritual circadian rhythm of its own. And I'll tell you, I'm not just referring to Bible reading and journaling. Sometimes we say, we talk about... um, daily bread, and we think that what I'm talking about is devotions in the terms that we know it, where we take the Bible and we read it, and we we learn a little bit every day, and we journal, and that can be a great method for, for getting daily bread, but I think it's worth understanding and accepting the fact that for the majority of the history of the saints, that was not accessible. When this was written, nobody had a family Bible. The scrolls were expensive. Hardly anybody could read. Most people heard it because someone read it to them. Scrolls were so hard to come by that, I mean, you would talk about a whole book of the Bible would be on one scroll, and if at the end of it, you spilled the ink and a small drop got in the corner, the whole thing got thrown away and you started over. That's how serious Hebrew scribes took copying scripture one to the next. If you screwed anything up, it it could be rooms for execution. It was a sacred book. So there were not many scrolls. A synagogue had them. The temple had them. You could go there and read them if they actually let you put your hands on them. But for the most part, you would hear somebody read it to you. They didn't have time to sit and read it. So what did they do? They meditated on passages they remembered. They prayed. They listened. And what I take from this isn't that it's wrong to read Scripture every day, but to understand that it is possible to read Scripture and to not commune with God, to read it and to just take it in as as an academic book, to write a few notes about it, and to never have that, that moment where you turn and face God and commune with Him and receive from Him what you really needed for that day. I really do think that for everybody to read Scripture was something that was inspired and was meant to happen. Did you know that literacy in the English world comes from the church? John Knox in Scotland, he had this idea. He wanted every Scottish child, boy and girl, rich or poor, to be able to read the Bible. The printing press was starting to be invented. People could read more often, so he wanted everybody to learn to read it. He created the first public education system in the English world. And so that's what it was for. Everything that we've done to create education came down to reading one book primarily. That was the mission. That was the goal. And I think it was, I think it was inspired by God. I think it was the time in history when we were meant to. But we cannot think that reading the Bible is experiencing God. Scripture is only sacred because it's attached to God, because it points to God. 
We, we got to be careful that we don't just worship Bible reading and don't worship facing God and letting truth penetrate our hearts and change who we are. We need to face God honestly and be open with him, to be with him. And for more than just sinful uh, conviction to be driven into something better, it's so much deeper than that daily bread. You know, the first, sentence, the first instance I see of God spending a 24-hour everyday time with a human being in Scripture goes back to almost the beginning. As soon as man is created, it says that God walked with man, with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden and talked with them. And this may be bigger than you think because it means that the spirit needed a daily portion of God, our, our spirits needed a daily portion of God every day when there was absolutely no sin in the world at all. It is a need that we have that goes far beyond just um, sin mitigation, far beyond just repentance or behavioral modification. Daily bread is what it means to be fully human, what it means to be mature and awakened to who God is. If it's Bible reading, study, prayer, meditation, sitting on the porch and, and thinking of the Lord, whatever it is that we do, your soul needs a daily 24-hour portion of God, and it goes back to the creation of man. It goes back from the prayer of the Lord. It is a thing that is within us, a circadian rhythm of the Spirit. And here's the plot twist. We may think, if I'm not getting daily bread from God, then I'm starving, and I'm dead inside. And maybe that could be an analogy that makes some sense. It makes far more sense to understand something is sustaining you because you're not dead. Something drives you forward. Something is sustaining you. It's a far better thing to wonder, if I'm eating terrible food, then I must be malnourished. If I'm eating terrible food, what is it doing to me? Sustenance is how we answer the empty feelings that we have and that come throughout the day. It's how we calm ourselves down when anxiety is overwhelming. It's how we cope with dissatisfaction in our life. It's going to be the daily bread that we rely on, that keeps us going, that sustains us. Some will fantasize about some future life they may have or a life they wish they had, placing themselves within that fantasy despite the fact that it's not the life they have. And then they become incredibly frustrated with anyone or anything that pulls them out of that fantasy and reminds them of the life they really live. There are some people who um, cope with fantasizing about having power to change what's wrong. Uh, the, the boy, if I were in charge or if, if I was made king for a day, these kind of fantasies of when we get frustrated with the injustice of what's going around us in our own lives, the world around us, we think of if I were powerful, what I would do. For some people, their daily sustenance, their daily bread is social media because once it provided an update that invigorated their day and now they wonder if I just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll, will it happen again? Some drown discomfort and vices that we all know are destructive. Substance abuse, binge eating, slothfulness, pornography, anything that's a clearly destructive pattern because it's so strong in flavor, your spirit forgets and gets drunk and forgets how miserable it really is. Being sustained by God is getting a daily answer from hope and coping that comes from God. Communing with God being the sustenance of daily life, is that's the rhythm of a quieted soul. That there is something, there's an appointment within you, you may not have realized you've needed every day. Every single day, whether it is an overwhelming day or just a really boring, underwhelming day, a great day, whatever it is, there is a portion of God we need for every day that brings us back to the original design of humanity where we walk with God every 24 hours for a period of time. 
We have to be careful and know there are things we're doing to sustain us. And if we want God to sustain us, some things go and some things are planted. God prophesies through Isaiah in Isaiah 55. He says, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest fares. The big question for us is, what does it mean for you to commune with God daily? What would that look like, a 24-hour circadian rhythm? When does it happen? I've heard people that have time with the Lord in the morning, in the evening, midday, a time when they feel inspired to do so. What is yours? What if you were to break off the thing of if it's not Bible reading and journaling, it's not, it's not a devotional time, it's not time with the Lord. What if your whole goal was, is whether it's through scripture or it's through prayer, your goal is to turn and to face God honestly and to receive what you need for that day. Not because you're showing up for the spanking or the, or the, or the character crushing, but because whether you are perfect, or, perfect and sinless or sinful and needing to change, you have the exact same appointment within you no matter what. You are human. You were made for God. That was your purpose. Every 24 hours, you need a portion of God for every single day. Whatever the Lord's convicting you to do, whatever he's whispering within your spirit, have the confidence to say, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to go for it. So many times we hear God whisper to us and we say, I I think that was just me. Whatever God's whispering for you to do, to have daily bread, to set aside a time to receive from God a daily infilling for the spirit, do it. Test that. Test that voice. Test that word. Test that direction and see what God's leading you in. I want to pray for us this morning that we could respond to the wooing of God and him directing us to where he's leading us, that we could be sustained every day and watch our lives transform around us as we see what does a well-nourished spirit look like? How does it feel? How does it function in this world? How does it make the soul so quiet and so still like a weaned child? Lord, I pray that we could hear your voice clearly, God, as you are inspiring us to set aside that time, to sit in that place, to go to that one place, to be quiet for a moment. If, you are, if you're telling us to read this book, do that, whatever it is, Lord, there are so many people in this room, so many separate callings, and yet we all have the same appointment with destiny every 24 hours. We're not meant to go without God for an amount of time. We were put in sync to something miraculously. That is also in sync with you. God, I pray that we could have that time with you every day, that you would help us protect it. Lord, as the, as the doubt creeps in and says, you can't defend that every time. Something's going to interrupt you. You're not going to be able to get it done. God, I pray we could just go for it and see where you would lead us, to see how miraculously you save lost time, to see how well your sovereignty can protect our time with you. You wouldn't give us a need and deny us a way to meet that, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that we could meet with you in the quiet place and receive a bread of life. God, a place where we're honest before you, not dodging you, not avoiding you, not looking for a way to get out of it, but where we can just come and be filled by God. Not expecting punishment, but expecting nourishment. We thank you for that grace. Would you be with us this week, Lord? I pray that today we would receive the portion of you for today. Lord, I pray for our Mondays and for our Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and all the days that are ahead for the long lives, that each day would receive that fresh bread we could enjoy your presence. May it quiet our souls. We thank you, God. Amen.